was the indictment heard round the world. DA Manhattan Alvin Bragg may not be bragging so much if the Trump team goes on offense. One of the best legal minds in the nation, attorney Tom Rents, is here to discuss both the legal and political implications of the charges. And then there was a time when innocent until proven guilty was a real thing in America. It was the hallmark of America's justice system, in fact. Political scientist, Professor Carol Swain, puts it all in context, the motives, reactions, in the case of Get Trump. Why is this man such a threat to the system? And finally, experts say police response in Nashville was the exact opposite to Uvalde, Texas, which this saved countless lives. Why is that? Police trainer and expert, Lieutenant Joseph Van Garrel, breaks it all down. And the rise in crime is on trial in Portland, Oregon, as Cracker Barrel and Walmart close stores due to the spike in crime. How does this bode for the rest of America's cities? A Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news. Providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm out loud here and happy, happy seventh anniversary to America out loud. Wow, this is the weekend, friends. Ah, we launched this thing right at the top of April in the year of our Lord 2016. And here we are seven amazing years later. You know, uh, America Out Loud really started, it's, it was a grassroots movement, that's all I can tell you, man. It, it was something, I, you know, I always reference it as an act of God. Uh, that's really how I look at this. It was a mission. It was a mission. I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know, you know, it's like you get into your car and you're, you know, I don't really always use GPS. I mean, I'm a guy. What do you want? I don't ask for directions. I just drive. <laughs> then we get there, maybe. That's sort of what's happened with America Out Loud. And, you know, at the top of America Out Loud, we say it proudly. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Hmm. That is the mantra, friends, liberty and justice for all. Well, we'll get back to more of that in moments on the seventh anniversary, but uh, let's get into this major blockbuster story. Wow. Hmm. History in the making for sure. It's a bit sick, but it is it, it is real, friends. You did read that right. The 45th president of the United States is being indicted from a Manhattan grand jury. It's kind of a bad nightmare that keeps getting worse here. Let's bring on attorney Tom Rents right now. And uh, Tom joins us uh, from the great state of Ohio. And uh, uh, Tom has uh, really been at the forefront of so many things in, in these last few years that have been very much COVID related, that have taken our freedoms over and uh yeah, challenged us in our constitution and uh, still fighting the good fight, Tom. Welcome to Viewpoint this Sunday, brother. Oh, man. It's always fun to wake up and uh, to hang out with you, Malcolm. Hey, man. It's good to have you, brother. So, all right, I want to want to break this down now and I, I want to make some sense of it. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this because the way I see this is this, Tom. 
in my world, you're one of the uh, most interesting and best uh, political uh, minds, but more than that, legal minds, even more so uh, in the country. So I look at this as a two, two-pronged conversation. And the first part of this conversation is, is challenging for some people, because I want to talk about the legal implications, but I want to leave politics out of it. Forget that we're whatever, Democrat, Republican, Independent, or Communist. I want to look at the legal ramifications of what's going on. Um, we're talking about this grand jury uh, and this district attorney, Alvin Bragg, who shortly has uh, got on the radar screen of millions of Americans pretty quick. Many are suggesting that's why he's doing this. But again, coming back to the legal ramifications of this. So this is about campaign finance, we think. We don't really know. We haven't seen the specific complaints. They haven't even seen them, and Trump's attorneys haven't seen them. But we're talking uh, evidently a hundred and thirty thousand uh, dollar sum given to Stormy Daniels and one hundred and fifty to uh, Karen uh, McDougal. I guess is what I'm understanding. Um, this is there's lots to talk about on this. Well, let's take it from the top legally. Um, how insane is this, or not? Uh, is this DA in his right footing to bring this indictment to the forty fifth president, sir? To my mind, Alvin Bragg, his his single-handedly demonstrated the truth of every African-American in the last 50 years that said the justice system is corrupt and is garbage and there's problems. Alvin Bragg has done more damage to his to our faith in the judiciary. And I'm saying this as an attorney. I am at the point now as an attorney that my intent is to really, really uh, consider what I can do to start facilitating justice, reform of our justice system, because my profession is broken. Hmm. My profession is damaged. And and this case has single-handedly cemented what we all thought we knew, because I've been a long, long-term believer in criminal justice reform. But now uh, we not only have the the evidence that we see so frequently when we look at the desperate treatment between those that don't have money and those that do but now we see uh that we've just we've openly just weaponized this as the justice system as a a political tool the, what's occurred here is you have an activist who's uh, who's going after an outcome rather than following the law and that's not the role. That's an abuse of discretion. It's abuse of prosecutorial discretion. I would argue uh, that there are a number of federal cases, and I hope that this gets before Trump's lawyers. If I were him and I was looking at this, I would go on an all-out offensive and I would declare war. I would go after this guy. I would look into every campaign uh, and election law available to see whether or not there's an argument to be made right. that this guy's interfering with an election. I would look at every ethics charge that I could file against this guy because I already have started looking at that. And I believe there's a couple of questionable things that could be done there. I would be going after this guy on a personal, professional, and every other level possible. I would pull every resource I had, and I would absolutely do everything that I could under the law and ethically to make this guy hold this guy out as an example. And it needs to be done because this piece of garbage is doing more damage to our justice system. The, the American people are going to lose faith in the courts. Mm -hmm. It's just yeah. that simple. If this goes anywhere, because it's real simple here, mm -hmm. Malcolm, under the law, this guy is well past the statute of limitations. Yeah, This right. guy is doing mental gymnastics like you yeah. can't believe to do anything that he's trying to do. 
Yeah. And yeah. it's for a garbage, garbage thing that he, you know, that, that has been trumped up. And a lot of this is based on a guy who's already been caught perjuring himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is inexcusable. Well, this is inexcusable from a lawyer's perspective. In regards to Trump and the way you lay it out is how you'd fight this back. I would imagine, uh, Tom, and I, I would suspect Trump will do that when you talk about getting on the offensive. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. You're either on offense or you're on defense. When you look at Trump, he doesn't do defense real well. He really is an offensive guy. I think that's going to be fascinating, the point you just bring up right there, that will he flip the script on this thing and get offensive? You expect that'll happen? I don't know. The reason I don't know is that the the cases I'm talking about are very aggressive. Okay. And it will come down to, you know, Trump can only do in this what his attorneys tell him he can do. And I'm just going to tell you right now that the stuff that I just talked about will get an eye roll from a lot of attorneys. But here's the thing. Well, I in no, normal circumstances, I would agree that it deserves an eye roll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we're not in normal circumstances. Right. You have an abuse of discretion here. Right. When so, my question is: is you know, when we look at it, the law is designed to keep political figures from manipulating elections. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the answer. I haven't completed my legal research on this. And normally, I wouldn't bring it up until I had. But my question is: is it illegal? For a prosecutor, a prosecutor to engage in what I would say it would amount to prosecutorial misconduct, mm-hmm. uh, to go after someone for political purposes and right, to interfere with right, an election, because right, what else right, is there? Right. And you know, we have what's called a notice pleading standard in this country. Mm-hmm, so yeah, now, and I'm going to make this, and again, I can see the eye, the lawyers' uh, eyes rolling right now, but I'm going to tell you. Even though our federal courts have decided to ignore the notice pleading standard largely when it's inconvenient, under the notice pleading standard, if there's a good faith reason to file a complaint, if there's evidence that this guy's doing this for political purposes, for example, which I, you know, based on a tertiary review of the initial uh, evidence, I would say there is, well, you know, you move to discovery. And if you lose the case and you lose, then you lose the case. But as long as you can bring it on a good faith basis, you're already doing yeah. more than this prosecutor's doing. Well, this guy, um, when you talk about is this political or isn't it political and how do you fight that back? This is a guy who has totally flipped the script when it comes to Trump. I mean, he's done the complete opposite in his community that he's created a crime ridden cesspool. Uh, and he's letting everybody off for all kinds of things, and he and he's making everything a misdemeanor, no matter what you did. And the yeah. opposite is true with Trump. So, what the hell else could that be but political, Tom? I mean, yeah, well, it it looks very political, and there is no spot for politics in in the prosecutor's office. It just can't be there. That's why you know the American people have been furious for the last few years about the corruption in the FBI and the right. DOJ, and they should be. Well, one more uh, thing about Bragg. Hold on, he he's correct me on this. Correct me on this, but I'm I'm very certain he ran on the campaign. He he ran in office and told uh, his uh, constituency that he would get Donald Trump. This, I mean, talk about, you know, have the guy and then find the crime. I mean, that seems to be a classic case of that. Am I right or wrong? No, you're dead right. I mean, this is from beginning to end corrupt. I mean, there should be a number. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, in most states, and I believe New York to be one of them, I'm not licensed there, but in most states, 
uh, you can file uh, private and uh, anonymous complaints, ethics complaints against lawyers. I mean, what else? What else is this other than an unethical? I mean, this guy said, "I'm going to get Trump," and then he goes and he takes and he takes these things. And listen, the statute of limitations in New York has ran on any sort of, uh, right. you know, bad records things. And he, the only way to get, you know, uh, and we're making some assumptions here. We got to see what the what the arraignment exactly. says. Exactly. But assuming that the arraignment uh, typically comes from you know, these falsifying business records type things, that's a misdemeanor. That's that's just out. Yeah. So he had to somehow get this if he wants to get around the statute of limitations to class A felony in New York. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to do that without massive, massive yeah. Yeah. Uh, mental gymnastics. Well, and you know what's he got other than this michael cohen who's been who i want to talk about that yeah i want to talk about that it's going to be an interesting week as we start to see and i uh, you know and watching his attorneys the last few days tom they've come around and said we don't even know we 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 just don't know yet until you know we get up there and deal with this now all right so let me talk to you about another attorney a pretty famous one and that is the uh trump's uh, former attorney general william barr i want to talk about him a minute because he was speaking uh, just the other day here with uh, Larry Kudlow on his show and his channel there, um, Tom, and and he said this. He said it's it's the uh, epitome of the abuse of uh, prosecutorial power to bring a case that would not be brought against anyone else. They are going after the man, not a crime. And the legal theory, frankly, is pathetically weak, is what Barr is saying. Now let me go on and tell you this and. Have you opine on Barr? He says, he says the claim is that uh, recording the Cohen reimbursements as legal payments is false and therefore violated a misdemeanor statute in the first instance against false documents. I actually don't think that's a valid claim in this case because the statute actually requires that it be done with the intent to defraud. Um, and Barr says they're assuming that the payments were a campaign finance violation because they were effectively a contribution to the Trump campaign. I can tell you that's not the law. I don't think that's how the Justice Department would view it. What do you say to Barr's comments there, Tom? You know, I don't always love Barr, that's for sure, but I do agree with him. I, I mean, I do. I don't know what else there is to say. This is, this is, you know, sometimes you look at the law, and I'm an activist, right? I mean, everybody knows I'm an activist. You know I fight. And one of the things that I have to always be exceedingly disciplined about when I'm being a lawyer, not a commentator mm-hmm. or an activist, is what, reading the law as it's stated, right? So when I read the law, it is what it is. It doesn't matter that I don't like the law. Right. You know, I can comment on it. I can push for political change. Mm-hmm. But you can't. The court's role is not to change the law. Right. And now the, I know everybody's saying, you know, we, the people are all rolling our eyes when I say that. But yeah, mm-hmm. again, if I, if I go to the, go into that, if I say, okay, yeah, you know what the left does it. So I should, well, then I'm no better than the left. Right. I'm pushing for change and I'm pushing mm-hmm. for change in the courts in the way that I can do it ethically. But I don't believe that the courts have the authority to change the law. They have the authority to change the interpretation of the law if it was misinterpreted in the past. Yeah, they yeah. can update precedent. They can alter 
you know, previous precedent that they set, but they can't change the plain language of the law, which is what controls. Yeah. And the plain language of the law makes very clear that, you know, unless this guy is going to pull something magical out in this, you know, in his charges that no one's seen, right? this is just trash. Yeah, yeah. And this is a guy who's trying to bring this case in a, in a very biased place, you know, Manhattan. And he's doing the same thing that they're doing in the DC gulags with the J6ers. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to do a garbage case in a garbage uh, jurisdiction where he thinks he can, you know, manipulate the outcome. And honestly, uh, we, the people need to need to make it heard that this is not an acceptable thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, peacefully. listen, when you talked a moment ago about Americans rolling their eyes, I mean, I totally get that. And the reason for that, Tom, is because I think you're alluding to, and it surely is a fact, people have lost complete trust in the justice system. I mean, that that's just blatant. That's in your face. Yep. And there's no trust left here. And so this brag incident just adds more uh, fuel to this fire right now. The, we've already, we know the DOJ is corrupted, the FBI, the CIA, all these agencies are totally corrupted. Uh, let's dive into the political implications now of this thing. If you think about it in these terms, Tom, it makes sense because here's a guy, he's a DA, who's letting crime run wild because that's the mantra of Soros and company of taking down the U.S. and creating all this chaos on the streets and, and the lowest possible level denominator with the American people. And then at the same time, he's got this other crime, which he elevates to a high standard and do, does the mental gymnastics, as you point out. It would kind of make sense then, Tom. A lot of this comes into focus then, in which case Bragg has probably bitten off a bit more than he can chew at this point, is my guess. And he's obviously sacrificed himself as a martyr to go down in a flame of, um, of, of, of well, not wouldn't be glory, but he'll go down in some shape or form with what I just outlined. I don't think there's any doubt about that unless there's some magic trick, as you've said, that comes out of this thing. I think it's a foregone conclusion. We're, we're in some uncharted waters here, brother. We are in very uncharted waters. Our yeah. republic is, is teetering uh, in a way yeah. that it hasn't since Lincoln's days. I, I mean, it's a great point. Yeah. Well, listen, I just want to take a moment here. Uh, first of all, tell folks, I'm, I'm sure most of y'all all listen, uh, although there are different different audiences on America Out Loud. But Tom Rents has the Tom Rents show uh, Monday through Friday. And it is at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and then it's just before the National Security Hour with the military intel and generals and all of that at uh, 7 p.m. It's a great couple hours of must listen to talk radio for sure. Uh, Tom, we're now uh, celebrating. We're just coming seven years. This is the weekend right here. Uh, Congratulations. Before, I know. it's a. Yeah, I feel like it's an incredible moment. I have to pinch myself, to be frank with you, uh, to really understand the gravity of where we're at. You know, America Out Loud is really, uh, I look at it, I describe it this way, Tom. It's a bit of a magnet. And it's a magnet that has attracted, well, like here, I talk to you, best legal minds, but best medical doctors, best engineers, best scientists, best military generals, military personnel, intel. What we're talking about is best in class. I think because of the void of the fourth estate and the decimation of our media, and uh, the freedom of press in our country and the censoring and the minutia that has happened here, it's really put a spotlight on these basic principles. And it's driven uh, America Out Loud to become a shining star and a very important uh, point of our country. I mean, we're going to be 250 years old in just a few years, Tom. 
You just mentioned yeah. Abraham Lincoln. I mean, you have to roll it back more than 150 years to see, uh, you know, our country now has matured and possibly we're now being challenged. And a lot of great countries, a lot of great uh, entities, they burn out. We've, we've got a challenge ahead of us here. But I just want to take a moment and embrace with you the seventh anniversary. And it's wonderful to have your voice. i got to say, I couldn't be prouder to be in the fight with you, uh, to be sure. I mean, we just having fun and gotten to know this thing. And, and I've gotten to know you so well in the past and so appreciate you being here. But let's talk about that seven years in the grassroots movement of America. It is quite something, isn't it, Rudd? Oh, it really is. It really is, Malcolm. And, you know, a credit to you, the venue talk radio as a venue has always been i mean i was a huge rush fan i've been listening glenn beck i listened to these guys for years right but doing talk radio Mm -hmm. versus any other medium completely different yeah and so you know malcolm you you've been a great mentor to me learning how to do this you know finding a finding my uh my cadence my voice my tone all the things that go with this and it's a really it's an amazing, amazing venue. It is. It is. It's an amazing opportunity because there is no other place that you get this. You just get to listen. And I always loved that about Rush. I never I never did the video too much. Uh, you know, you, Rush had his, his video. Uh, I always loved listening. I just wanted to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And, that, uh, that's the beauty of talk radio right there, what you just say. And, you know, I come from the days of uh, listening to Paul Harvey was my favorite, you know, just yeah. loved the talk about cadence and uh, how he delivered the story. But he always had an uplifting message. And I guess that's where I sort of get some of that from, Tom. I, I want to leave people with a jump in their step and the potential that we can do this thing. I don't like to be doom and gloom all the time and get on here. Oh my God, the sky's falling and you know, yeah. whatever that we all, we're going to die, crash and burn. Uh, we got to get back to the principles of our, our, of our country and our founding fathers and what this amazing gift was that we were blessed with to be born here in this magnificent country with magnificent people is truly, uh, I mean, we already won the lottery, Tom, you know that we already won the lottery. We most certainly did. It's ours to lose. We've lost lost much of our country. And the question is, are we willing to fight to regain it? And, you know, that's what you do here, Malcolm, is we have a lot of good people here who are sharing news. And when I come and when I get the opportunity and the privilege to do the Tom Wren Show on a daily basis, we talk about the bad things. We recognize that they're there because if we don't Mm -hmm. recognize it, we can't do anything about it. But we also recognize that the best we can do is to control the things within the scope of our abilities and to fight like hell to make our country better, to regain that freedom, to make this the nation that it was meant to be. And uh, beyond that, there's no reason to feel bad that you can't do what you can't do. Amen. Congratulations, Malcolm. Congratulations to everybody in the Out Loud Network. God bless you, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Amen to that. All right, friends, we're going to take a quick pause here, bring on Dr. Carol Swain, get into a little bit of the Nashville stuff here. But she's As a political scientist, she has a lot to say also about this Trump deal. We'll talk about the shooter next, and then we got uh, some law enforcement coming on about the shooting. Stay right there. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. 
You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rex nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here again. And happy seventh anniversary again to America Out Loud. Celebrate that this weekend, friends. And uh, uh, as you heard up front in the broadcast, and uh, wow, I can't believe seven years. But here we are. Here we are. Uh, the big story is this uh, uh, indictment of uh, the 45th president of the United States. Um, history, for sure, not in a good way. Uh, let's continue with that. I want to talk about this Nashville shooting as well. But let's bring on Dr. Carol Swain is here. Uh, she is an award-winning political scientist and a former uh, tenured professor at Princeton and Vanderbilt Universities. Great author, a lot of great books that are in the America Out Loud bookstore, by the way, or on Amazon. And um, Dr. Carol Swain, my friend, it is always a privilege to have you here. Thank you for joining us here. Thank you. All right. So let's talk about this. Uh, it, this whole notion, Carol, I'd like to, as a political scientist yourself, well, let's start with, we'll get into the political implications of this indictment, but this whole concept that America is built on, uh, Carol, about uh, in, innocent until proven guilty. You know, I want to say to you here, and I, I want you to opine on this, but I, I got thinking about this coming into the broadcast today. And, you know, this is something that has never held true for Trump. I, I really I'm not trying to be a smart guy here. But as I look back to the history of his presidency and campaign, they always had him guilty before they even had the crime or they made stuff up. So he never had the privilege of having that basic American statement, which is really, Carol, correct me on this, but is the hallmark of America's justice system. But that doesn't appear to apply to Donald Trump. Number one, why is that? And two, why is he such a threat to these people? Well, Malcolm, before we get to Donald Trump, we can uh, go back to Herman Cain. We can look at Judge Roy Moore. We can look at the Me Too movement. The left established a practice some years ago of accusing high-profile Republicans mm. of, of, of sexual crimes. Uh, and they were placed in a situation where they were tried by the media. Mm. And so what has happened to Donald Trump uh, is just a continuation of a pattern that we saw emerging some years ago where high-profile people, especially if they were candidates for office, would be accused of crimes. They would be tried in the media. And often, when the media attention waned down, these persons were found to be innocent, but not before they had spent money on their defense, their defenses, and, and, and as well as lost their reputations. 
Your point of bringing up those previous examples is is really good, Carol. Um, you know, Herman Cain, I, I got butterflies when you mentioned his name. He was a dear friend and uh, had the privilege of interviewing him many times. Boy, we miss him. He, he was such a great uh, voice for America, uh, to be sure. It's hard to believe the man is gone at this point, I have to tell you. But yeah, it's a great point you bring up, um, you know, um, Finding the man before you find the crime. You know what I mean? They don't have a crime, but they, and, and you're right. It's tried in, in the media landscape. It's all becomes a witch it hunt. Works. Yeah, it worked, right? But yeah. Look at Judge Kavanaugh. Like he will never be able to shake off the accusations right. of that crazy woman that came forward with no evidence uh, and accused him of engaging in some type of sexual assault during that teen years. Yeah. Uh, that's the standard that the left has established. So yeah. now that I've gotten that off my chest, <laughs> we can talk about Donald Trump. You can yeah. re-ask me that question. Yeah, because it's an important one. I mean, that I, I mean, I really mean this. I mean, you know, I'm so infuriated over this right now that, you know, I don't know, Carol. I mean, I not only will vote for him once, but I'll do what the Democrats do. I'll vote for him multiple times if need be in the next. Well, let me tell you how I feel. Um, yeah. I can tell you that I supported uh, Donald Trump in 2016 and 2020. Uh, for 2023, 2024, I have just been watching the landscape. You know, there are things that I like about Governor DeSantis. And so I really had not um, thrown myself into the battle. But when I see a witchcraft, witch hunt, yeah. And a man so hated by the left. Yeah. And I see such an injustice. Yeah. You know, there's nothing to do but staying with Donald Trump because yeah. he is the one that they fear the most. And if they fear him the most, then he has to be the best one for our country. Mm. Wow. He is a threat to the system, to the establishment, to the media landscape and to the Marxist left. Clearly. Right. I mean, that, that's got to be clear to everybody, isn't it? Well, he didn't play by the playbook. And, uh, you know, they had it set up so that Hillary was supposed to win. And uh, just they're not used to losing and they're not graceful loser losers. And one of the things that we watched and as a political scientist, I noticed was that he was never given the 100 day honeymoon that we normally associate with newly elected presidents. The day after the election, the left wanted to impeach him. They started their violence and their rioting and their um, uh, vandalism immediately after he was declared the winner of the 2016 election, and they never let up. You know, this came to light, actually, a couple of days ago when Nancy Pelosi, uh, this tweet was heard around the world uh, because she reversed our whole justice system on its head. And it was picked up by a whole litany of people. And you, I know you know what I'm talking about, potentially, Carol. But uh, she says, and I quote the tweet, the grand jury has acted upon the facts and the law. <laughs> no one is above the law and everyone has the right to trial to prove innocence. Hopefully the former president will peacefully respect the system which grants him that right boy did she get that wrong and that was heard all over the place because our whole as i started the segment with carol the hallmark of our justice system we're unique in that way around the world that is america you're not innocent improving uh, well it was that way but you don't you, we've lost that huh we lost it a long time ago and the political left they've been very successful in upending 
throughout American traditions. And so uh, the rule of law and anything associated with it seems to have been totally um, reimagined by them. And they have created what is more akin to a banana republic than a nation where people would risk their lives to come for liberty because there's more liberty now in other countries than they, there are here. And all of the accusations against Putin and uh, they say less about um, uh, uh, the Chinese leader, uh, but various places where they have human rights abuses, they uh, can't point a finger, you know, at their favorite dictator because we're setting up a totalitarian system here in America that rivals that of other nations. And we're such hypocrites and we give lip service, you know, to being moral agents when at the end of the day, uh, we are a nation that uh, is ripe for God's judgment because of the power that we have had in the world and how we have used our resources for evil. We're going to hear what the real charges are in this indictment this week. We're going to see what happens. We don't know what else. I mean, I was just talking to attorney Tom Rents on the platform. We don't know if, uh, you know, we just don't know. His attorneys don't even know if he's got some other magic thing or whatever, or what kind of mental gymnastics he did to make this what he's trying to do. What happens now when we talk about the political implications of this? I'm seeing Republicans are sort of rallying around Trump. I'm getting a sense of that. The left with the rule of law is now doubling down, which usually happens. They're willing to sacrifice our country always if they can get Donald Trump is what I'm sensing. Justice does not apply there. How does this, how does this end up, you think, coming out into the election cycle? Um, and does Trump go on offense? Tom was pointing that out in the last segment. Does Trump go on offense with Brack? You know how we normally is pretty good with that turn of the table from defense to offense? What do you think happens? you know, the whole focus is on the destruction of this one man and what he represents. And it's also to deter other people from bucking the system. Like uh, he ran against the system and those are the kinds of candidates that they find most threatening. And so it sends a signal to anyone that would be a Donald Trump that we will destroy you if you start interfering in this, you know, this globalism and this worldwide agenda that we've set up. And I think that regardless of uh, the charges that are brought forth, uh, America has lost so much standing in the world because other world leaders, whether they are pro-Trump or anti-Trump, they know that these are trumped up charges and they know that the sole purpose is to get rid of the strongest political opponent that uh, is on the scene that could disrupt their agenda. And so they're not fooling anyone. They may be fooling uh, some of their supporters but they're not fooling anyone else. The hypocrisy with all the uh, criminals in the Democratic Party's leadership structure that they have not uh, done anything to rein those people in or hold them accountable. At the same, same time, they're saying no one is above the law. Democrats are above the law. They violate the law. The bureaucracies that are ran by Democrat uh, uh, appointees, they are above the law. And so it's ridiculous for any Democrat to argue that they have to Donald Trump because no one is above the law. Uh, Republicans are the only ones that are held accountable to the law. And then there are kangaroo courts. And that's a disgrace that we have kangaroo courts in America.
the, the last part that you asked me, like what's going to happen, I think that the left's plan has and will backfire and it will solidify a support for Donald Trump. So people that may have been in the middle, sitting on the sidelines, waiting to see what happens, they, they know a threat. And I think that more of those people have been pushed into Donald Trump's uh, uh, corner and some of them are Democrats. I saw a tweet where someone said that next time he will get 100 million votes. And I believe that may be true because Democrats uh, that are not leaders care about the rule of law. They care about the violence. They care about America becoming a banana republic. And I think they will try to seize power again through the ballot box. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me talk to you about this day of vengeance here. Uh, this was played into the uh, the, the, the trans uh, person who did the shoot up in the Nashville school you're from, that beautiful market of Nashville here. And I just want to get your sense uh, before we part of um, what you think of this, because now we're seeing all kinds of things being, um, you know, talked about with this day of vengeance that uh, the Antifa and trans groups were planning. But this person happened to be trans. But more than that, obviously, people that go in and shoot and kill nine year olds have to have a mental disorder, just as well as somebody who wants to change body parts, who uh, doesn't realize the gift that they were given from God. None of it makes any sense, does it? Well, what I see is, uh, you know, online they're saying the Trans Day of Vengeance has been canceled because they have received credible threats. And then from the White House, you have them um, making the statement that the trans community is under attack. They have not expressed any real sympathy for the victims of the shootings. They use that crisis to push for gun control. And what I find fascinating is that this woman, Audrey Hale, biological female, identified as a man. She may have been transitioning. She may have been on testosterone because usually women don't create acts of violence like that. So she, a biological female, uh, a member of the trans community with a male name, identified as a male, all the media has been uh, calling her a she like she is a she. She was born a biological female, but if they were going to be consistent, they should have been calling her a he because she identified as Aiden. And so they're misgender- misgendering her by their own rules. And now they're saying that they cannot confirm that she's a transgender. Uh, and what that's one of the reasons why I think they don't want the manifesto released because in the manifesto, she uh, said that she laid out all of her reasons for the shooting. And I think she wanted to be a martyr, a martyr for the trans community. She was going to fire the first volley for this trans day of vengeance. And so I think that's what it was all about. She was like a suicide bomber. And uh, they're holding on to that manifesto. And the media, they're playing dumb. They can't confirm that she is a trans. And they're calling the she a her when she identified as a male. And if they wanted to be consistent, they would have to say, he, him, that was her preferred pronouns. So they misgender this lady who had deep psychological problems every day. But for the first time, because it's not convenient to them, they're not going to call the she or he the way they would the other way around. Uh, you as an educator, it's got to be a sad day when you continue to see this happen to our young people, uh, Carol. Last word on this, um, shooting from a perspective as an educator itself. What will ever stop this nonsense? 
Well, I mean, America is in moral decline and there's no uh, respect. People don't value themselves and they don't value human life. So this woman was suicidal. She did suicide by cop. And we find the suicide rates among young people, even in K through 12, that it's escalating. And I think it's because our nation has lost its moral path. Yeah, amen to that here. Uh, Dr. Carol Swain, always a privilege to have you here. And what a great perspective uh, to add um, to the broadcast here. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Our big thank you to Dr. Carol Swain and friends next. I could not be more pleased than to welcome on a, an amazing uh, curated sponsor to the platform here, The Wellness Company. Specifically, I want to talk to you about Spike Support. You know, we see the amount of people that are suffering with this buildup of spike protein in the bodies from both long COVID and from vaccines and boosters alike. Uh, this has been a real problem and one of the biggest uh, points of context we get so many questions in here for. They have an amazing product called Spike Support that has a whole lot of effective ingredients to combat this buildup of spike protein in the body, uh, starting with the uh, natokinase, uh, dandelion root and black seed extract, and a whole lot of things in there to fight the spike protein and, and get it under control. Spike Support. Now, this product is typically $65.99 for a bottle, uh, but you get incredible savings here uh, with America Out Loud. Use the code out loud. You'll get 25% off, bringing it to $49.49, in fact. There's also wellness plans and other things you can look at with the wellness company. Let me give you that website now. TWC.health forward slash out loud. Or, as always, just click the ad, the, the banner ads back at AmericaOutloud.com. Check this out, the spike support. Let those loved ones around you know there is hope to get that spike, the support for the spike protein buildup. And this is the way to do it, friends. All right, let's take a quick pause. Stay right there. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The Wellness Company shares your values and fights for medical freedom. They put patients before profits and follow medical science, not political science like doctors on the left. Their chief medical board, which includes Dr. Peter McCullough, are the makers of the incredible American-made, high-quality Spike formula. If you worry about spike proteins, go to TWC.health and use promo code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount. Once again, that's TWC.health, promo code OUTLOUD. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com seven amazing years we know that if america fails the world will fail it is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty america out loud talk radio the liberty and justice for all That's right, seven amazing years here on America Out Loud. Uh, it is a milestone to be sure, friends, and uh, it's a privilege always to be with you here. Uh, you know that. So, you know, we say there again, uh, we talk about future generations. Here, here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. That really was the whole opening bell here for America Out Loud that became a magnet. Uh, to attract such uh, amazing, talented people who could not have done this without all of our experts, 
uh, best in class medical doctors, engineers, scientists, law enforcement, military generals, you name it. Amazing, amazing people here. Uh, and that's it's a rallying call for freedom, for liberty and justice for all. And it's a fight to save our beloved America, as I say, and to restore that liberty and justice uh, that our uh, founding fathers, the framers of this great nation, had fought for and put together uh, to bring us forward. Coming up on 250 years, friends, we've got a lot of work to do here uh, on the ground floor here of America to save our nation. But it's good to be in the fight with you all here. And let's bring on here now Lieutenant Joseph Pangaro joins us. He's been a great voice here for many years. He actually joined the uh, platform um, early on in uh, Origins um, uh, in those first couple of years, if you will. That's when a lot of things started to take shape. And he, he's done mar marvelous. I mean, it's just just awesome. People connect with him uh, because he, uh, well, because he resonates and uh, not afraid to give you the out loud truth. Welcome to the broadcast, uh, Mr. Pangaro, uh, Brother Joe, Lieutenant Joe, all of the above, right? Thank you, Malcolm. It's wonderful to be here, as always, especially with the America Out Loud audience. That's it, our Out Loud family, the Out Loud truth where it prevails. All right, I want to talk about Nashville. Uh, there's something I want to bring to everybody's attention right now, and that is that, and it, it's not lost on us if we're following the ball here, but, you know... As a reminder, maybe a stark reminder a little bit, but the way this handled, this particular shooting was handled, uh, Joe, com as compared to Uvalde, uh, we're talking night and day. When we started to see the videos, I remember the, uh, the we, everybody was aghast to see what had taken place there. But the differences could not be more stark. We're talking 180. In Nashville, they did what they were trained and supposed to do, what you always talk about with your training, and as a as a school trainer and safety on both sides of that, uh, tell us about that stark difference and uh, what what we should take away from it, please. Well, Malcolm, you're absolutely right. I think when we see the the differences in the way the two groups of law enforcement handled it, first of all, for many years now, law enforcement has been training to respond to these type of incidents. I remember when this first started and I had to teach these young men and women the the understanding that this is totally different. People think cops train people to shoot people and to kill. And and that is the furthest thing from the truth. We, che we teach restraint and use of force only in the level that's needed. But when it came to active shooters, we started to realize that this was not your ordinary criminal, a robber who got caught and is going to do something. This is someone whose determination is to kill as many innocent people as possible, as quickly as possible. So we started to see a change. And one of the changes was uh, in this particular instance, when a law enforcement team is trained to go in, they're trained to go in uh, initially with four people, then two people, then the first good guy or good girl gun on scene who was expected to respond, go to the sound of the gunfire and engage the shooter. And one of three things was expected to happen. If they saw you coming and they put the gun down and surrendered, you arrest them. If they ran and stopped shooting and locked themselves in a closet or into a room by themselves, uh, you contain them until you can find some way to get them out. If they continue to shoot and try and harm people, at that point, you apply uh, force to stop them. Now, that force obviously is, is the use of a weapon, uh, and you are trained to use that. And sometimes you have to go to that first. If you roll up and someone is shooting at children, your immediate response is to apply deadly force to stop them uh, from doing that. 
So training these officers to, first of all, go into a scene and have to jump over someone who's shot, laying and bleeding was a new thing for these officers. They want to save people. Cops are out there to do good and save people. And I had to train them to jump over a victim and continue to the sounds of the gunfire because there are still people being injured and killed. And you have to get there as quick as possible. And my guess is what makes these situations more dangerous, Joe, is that typically these shooters that go into these uh, school environments, it sounds to me like uh, they are typically prepared to die. In other words, they're prepared to meet their maker or whatever it is that they are doing because they know the chances of them escaping that are very slim. So a lot of them want to die like this particular one in Nashville. That was uh, she had a manifesto that clearly showed she wanted to die. That's and the sad part about it is she wanted to take out other people with her, which is highly disturbing. Yes. Right? It, that is very that is very common with these people. Um, the statistics break down um, basically 40, 45 percent of the time they take themselves out. They sh they kill themselves. Uh, 45 percent of the time, law enforcement or armed security takes them out. And then there's a very small percentage of people who run away like the Parkland kid. Uh, when it comes to the Uvalde response, what we saw there, that was a, a problem of leadership. The officers, uh, I, I did a whole program on this, on Chasing Justice, and I also did a thing for Campus Safety Magazine to understand what happened here. The police were at the door of that classroom in three minutes after the, the killer entered the building. And they got to that door, and the chief, uh, for whatever reason, made the, the assumption that the doors were locked and he needed breaching tools. When in reality, one of the saddest things of that response is that he he called his people out to go get all this equipment. 76 minutes later, they entered the room. But the reality was the door lock on that door was broken. All they had to do was turn the knob and open the door. There was no breaching tools needed uh, because that door had been reported many times uh, to, that it was. You're speaking about at Rob Elementary School in Uvalde? In, in Rob Elementary School, correct. Yeah. So when we when we look at the response there, you say everything that could have went wrong, went wrong with Uvalde. The police chief showed up. He dropped his radios because he was I'm sure he was nervous running towards this. The officers in there were held back from doing what they needed to do and wanted to do. Now we look at this video here in Nashville and we see magnificent response by the officers and the, the two officers uh, that led the way. You can see these videos as they're they're giving instruction. They are clear. They are calm. They are confident. They're moving forward. You can see them guiding their their officers forward. Joe, what's forward. their names again? Let's put them out there, please. What are their names, uh, those two officers? I believe it was uh, Calazzo and Engelbert. Okay. Uh, Rex, Rex, I believe it's Rex Engelbert. Uh, two awesome, amazing guys. But the whole team that was there was absolutely amazing. We don't know all their names, but we know these two fellows because they were their, their body cameras were on. Their response was textbook. They got to the building and you saw them form up and they went to the sounds of the gunfire. They were in the building. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is, it's going to be great training material for officers going forward on how to actually do this. Uh, when I watched it, I, I was saying to myself, okay, what would I be doing in this, this situation? How would I be moving forward? And they did it exactly the way you would hope a law enforcement officer would come to your school where your children are uh, to go after the shooter. Uh, the the entire thing right down to, to the very end, when you see the end of that video and they turn the corner and the shooters, they're firing at them. These are rifles. Rifles are very accurate at, uh, at at 30 yards, 35 yards or whatever distance it was in that room. And these officers managed to uh, take out the shooter and prevent any further damage. And, and none of them were killed. Yeah, uh, absolutely amazing. 
the difference? Well, and the difference is to remind everybody of what uh, Lieutenant Joseph explained in here at Rob Elementary School, uh, Uvalde, 21 people were assassinated. I mean, 19 kids, 19 children, 19, my golly. And two yeah. teachers were taken out at that school um, based on um, the stupidity of the system there and the 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 um, uh, the the fact that well it's you know I don't know Joe it's, kind it's of the was training like, response it was like the Keystone Cops I mean come on it was terrible you know it was absolutely terrible and and I know everyone in law enforcement watched that and said you know of all the things that could go wrong. Yeah, everything went wrong there. It reminded you of Parkland when the officer, you know, stayed outside instead of running in. I mean, that was a complete failure. Now, who wants to go in and get killed? Nobody. But the reality is this is your job. This is why you take the oath, why you wear wear the, the uniform and, and you carry the gun. When I train these young men and women, I let them know this might be the incident where uh, a folded up flag is given to your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, whatever you got. Right. This you are the only thing standing between well, safe uh, right but let me also say on that point because i was just thinking that as you were talking about that joe is that these people uh are trained for this these type of officers and certainly our swat teams i mean they're trained for this and my point is they go in there with a pretty good chance of if they are doing their job right and each step they take in each corner or look or cranny of what they do i mean they're pretty intensely trained to really uh, survive these things and be able to take this character out. Isn't that the case, Sean? Right. Well, we, yes, we try and we train with formations. We train with right. tactical plans. We, right. we try and figure out, it's called a cut in the pie. When you go around a corner, yeah. the different angles that you look at so that you can have your best chance of survive. It's a tactical combat situation exactly. is what it really is. Yeah. And most of the shooters are, are not tactically trained. They simply have a weapon and they fire back. The officers have equipment, they have training, and it doesn't mean they can't get killed. But yeah. the reality is they do have an advantage if they go in fast. And they go in hard and they go in like they did job. here in Nashville. Like they did uh, in and Nashville. they minimized what could have been, I mean, dozens of people could have been killed there in short order. She had massive equipment with her, this 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 person. Yes, she had and, uh, several several rifles and a handgun. So yeah. obviously could have taken out a lot more of uh, innocent a lot, people. A lot. Will there ever come a day where we will begin to understand that our kids are more precious to us than gold and silver and other things and that we really need to do whatever we need to do to protect them. And isn't it time we do have armed, I'm sorry, but I do believe we need armed guards at our schools. I think we've risen to that point and I'm going to put that out there right now, Joe. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Malcolm. You know, the only thing that stops a, a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, no matter whether people like guns, but I do run into this across the country. There are different uh, tolerances for weapons. There are some places where, they're so anti-gun that they want the officers to leave their duty weapons in their police car when they come in the building. I mean, this is, I don't understand that kind of a thinking because uh, they, oh, well, then there's guns in the school. Yeah, they're police officers. This is not just somebody walking around with a weapon. And while all this is going on, and we're talking about what you're talking about here, the decimation of law enforcement has been well underway uh, since, well, surely since the Ferguson days. Uh, on this whole defund movement is just a Marxist uh, movement to take down our country and now we're seeing the crime rise in all these cities and i predicted this 10 years ago joe and here we are i'm afraid we're headed down a pretty wicked road uh, lieutenant joe uh, malcolm we're already there um 
you know, I used to love to go into New York City, uh, take my family in there, go see a play, have dinner, enjoy, enjoy the beauty of the city. Yeah. Uh, I will not go na- now there now with my family. I will not take them into that city. And, and you could be robbed. You could be carjacked. Any of our major cities. I was just out in San Francisco and they have 80 smash and grabs a day. Everywhere you go, all these tourist spots, they say this is a smash and grab hotspot. Don't leave anything in your car. The, I, I came from the airport and I saw the crime in the streets. It was horrific. And your point about every city being affected, I think is absolutely true. The only thing that keeps the devil at bay, the only thing that prevents crime from affecting everyone, law enforcement response, aggressive, proactive police work, because then people know there's a consequence. Joe, let's take a moment here. um, And uh, I want to um, personally thank you uh, for being part of this journey. You've been such a a real friend and a gift uh, to not only the movement, uh, to the network of America Out Loud, but to me personally, uh, somebody I count on and trust and always um, it, it, need your words of wisdom and your uh, experience and your thoughts. And uh, it is a, uh, a truly an honor to uh, have you here in, uh, in, with America Out Loud, sir, and celebrating seven amazing years. It's quite a milestone for the network, sir. Yeah, it is. And Malcolm, uh, you're very kind in your words, but it's really it's the America Out Loud team that allowed me to have a voice uh, to speak my mind, to think things through and try and do what I can to help my country. I love my country. I love yeah. everybody in our country. I want us all to do well. And the platform you've given me to to speak my mind and think things through is is absolutely uh, an amazing privilege and an honor. And I thank you yeah, thank uh, and the America Out Loud family for welcoming me in and letting me uh, have this voice. And he always does speak his mind, by the way. He brings on his pages of outrageous, he calls it. And he'll take some papers and he'll, he'll sort of do this. I've got some right here. He'll do it. <laughs> is that right, Joe? Huh? Yes, that's correct. I, I I make my notes of what I want to talk about. I love and, uh, sometimes I can become impassioned, and uh, I only I get two it. of my notes on my pages of outrageous. Pages of outrageous, and these days you have a lot of pages of outrageous, my brother. But listen, you can catch Chasing Justice, uh, Lieutenant Joseph Bengaro, weekdays at three p.m. Eastern time. You bet. You can hear it anywhere in the world on the uh, America Out Loud apps, our media player, iHeartRadio. Uh, and it's just before the Constitution study. Uh, Paul Engel, love these guys. Uh, this is a really an amazing lineup. And uh, Joe is working hard to, uh, as well as working for a living, doing all the things he does with his training and bringing people forward. He does the show and, and does it really well. So a tremendous uh, program. And, you know, again, want to thank you out there now. I want to thank you for being on the mission here, being with us, uh, helping to spread the word, spread the out loud truth. And, uh, and we're going to keep that going uh, again, seven years in, and you know, we'll see what we look like seven years from now. That'll be the 14 year mark. Uh, my golly, we're getting older, aren't we, friends? Wow. How do we stop the clock? Well, that's not a good thing, because when that stops, we're probably dead. Right. So we probably need to keep that clock moving, Joe. But I'm just saying, just saying. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, celebrating seven incredible years working to restore liberty and justice to our beloved America. Thank you for joining me on the mission here, friends. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.